Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 11 o'clock. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here in your Monday morning here on the game, Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, and Chris Clark along with you as Wes slides in right on time as always as the show is starting. Welcome in, guys. It was a very busy weekend look like for you guys. I'm just going to wait, and um, that's really what I do is I wait in the car. Really? Is that what you I do? Just, you have I just to. walk in. I was like, to, how do you consistently come in there's no way at the exact same time every single day? Yeah, if if I pull up early, I'm normally on the phone. Because, like, like, Chris like Chris sits out there. He's there at, like, 1030. And he's, like, out there doing work. And, I like, I see him walking around. So, like, okay, Chris is here. And then uh, we just wait for Wes to make his on-time arrival. I, I told Chris we should do, like, professors in college would do where, like, as soon as class starts, you lock the door. And, like, there's no... That's it. Sorry. You're done. You're done. Do you yeah. guys ever have professors like that? No. Thankfully. Uh, I feel like I probably would have canceled that class. That's a little, that's a little stiff. Um, there were a few of them out there. It's like, come on, man. I was on the other side of campus. I had 10 minutes to get two miles. Give me a break. I, I couldn't find anywhere to park if you were at That is South also Carolina. a problem. South, there, or, uh, there were some, um, Tyler, there were some uh, commutes on campus yeah, back in the day at USC, you know, a little bit more spread out campus. So, those who have made the journey from Bates to McMaster, the art building, an absolute haul. What is the from like from like end to end? How how big would you say campus is spread out for Carolina? If you had to roughly guess, in kilometers or miles, <laughs> I, I don't know. I can. It I feels can, like a hundred miles when you're walking. Because I, I, like. I guess I've yeah. never like, like I've driven around campus, obviously, but I guess I've never like never like actively assessed like just how spread out it is. Because when you're in a city, things are in different places. We obviously have the law school right here down the street from us, but things obviously down near the stadium and whatnot. So, I, yeah, I, I can see how getting across in the middle of a city like this would be difficult. Yeah, I, I don't have a distance. Half mile, I don't know. It's more way. than that. It's more than that. Mile. It's it's a long way when you're trying to walk from one end to the other very fast and, and get somewhere. Well, there's a, a crop of new guys coming in the transfer portal. They're going to have to learn all about mm-hmm. navigating this campus as they get set for the 2024 football season. You navigated season. that segue perfectly. I'm a, I'm a master well. of doing this. Like, you guys should already know this at this point in time. Um, and Beamer seems to be a little bit of a master of the portal as of late because on Friday... Chris and I spent the entire show talking about the four portal guys that had come in the night before. And over the weekend, more welcome home after welcome home after welcome home as four more guys, at least at last I checked, maybe somebody committed in the last 20 minutes since I've been on Twitter, but at least four more guys coming in the transfer portal over the course of the weekend. And I'll start off with the one that Chris and I talked about a little bit um, on Fridays. We knew he was going to be on campus and um, had a had a very good shot of, of landing here at South Carolina. Um, probably going to pr- mispronounce his last name. Gage Lavradin, Lavardin. Which way did I go with that one? Keep guessing. Neither. 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 Larvadane. Larvadane. Larva. It's not spelled that way though. 
Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah. Did I, miss, did I misspell it? Either way, I Gage, don't know. I don't know what Gage, you wrote over there. Gage Larvidane. <laughs> yes. Committed from Miami of Ohio as wide receiver, adding another body to that room. Yeah, when you said it was a busy weekend, my brain was like, all right, how many of these guys have we talked about yeah, and I how many have we not? Because it's, I mean, transfer portal recruiting is is like high school recruiting just crammed into a month. It's like two years worth in a month. And for a lot of these guys themselves, it's two years crammed into like a week or two. And so, you know, Larva Dame is a guy that I think we had said South Carolina was in really good shape with. And what we see with these portal recruitments, though, it, it goes so quick. Like, you'll quickly, you know, a, a guy will come in, we'll hear, hey, South Carolina's in good shape. They'll be on campus, and we'll hear, hey, they're still in good shape. Or we'll, we'll hear, eh, the guy is looking for something a little bit different. And, you know, that was the case with the uh, Monroe Mills, the Texas Tech offensive tackle. Looked good with him coming in, and, and then it just didn't quite, you know, he was he was kind of looking for something else. So, with Larvadane, felt good. He came in, heard what he wanted to hear, saw what he wanted to see, and just boom. There's not really a lot of kind of letting the process play out when it comes to portal recruiting. Classes are starting. You know, team meeting yesterday at 7 o'clock, Shane Beamer and company. Like, things are getting started, so you have to go ahead and, and get these things over with. And, you know, this is another playmaker, I think, the receiver position. Not the biggest kid in the world, but quick – can make plays downfield as well. You would naturally think of him as a slot receiver, especially the SEC level. But you, you turn on some of his highlights, man. I mean, he's making plays on the outside, making plays downfield as well. And, you know, we talk about pass rush juice. I, I think this dude has the other kind of juice. He's got juice in his legs. Like, he makes explosive plays. And if you're going to be small, if you're going to play in this league, you have to have that explosiveness, and he definitely has it. Yeah, you, you look at Larva Dane, and, and we can get into kind of the big picture of receiver, but with him individually, since we're talking about him, you know, not the biggest guy in the world, obviously. Um, I think one thing, when you see a guy like Larva Dane, one thing that you want to do is when he comes on your campus, you want to make sure the size somewhat matches up with, you know, where he's listed and what you've seen on film. And that that box was checked. You know, you knew when he came in, as you said, Wes, he's not going to be a 6'2 or even a 6-foot receiver. You know, he's listed at 5'10 at a certain weight, but you want to make sure that that matches up, that he's put together. And so when you look at someone like him, you know, you want to make sure generally whether a guy's 6'2", 6'4", 5'10", whatever, you know, can he get off the line? Can he run? Does he give you a vertical presence? Can he get open? And when you look at him and his career, uh, he's been able to do that. You know, last year, yeah, playing G5 competition, right? So there's a step down. But you look for generally in portal guys, you know, if they are a level down, have they made a big impact? And he has. If you look at a guy that's maybe transferring from a Power 5, an SEC school, and we'll get into some of those guys later, maybe they haven't made a big impact, so you dig into why. You know, the, kind of the inverse of that, the opposite of that, is if you find a guy like Larvadan who's been at a G5 level, does he have the production A? Yes, he checks that box, but then do you think that it translates? And so South Carolina seemed to be pretty high on him. Had a 99-yarder last year, made a bunch of big plays, um, had a 250-yard, three-touchdown game in his career. So 
he, he's done he's made some explosive plays in his career and that's something that you needed to add and he led the team for 42 receptions 679 yards and six touchdowns had a monster game earlier this year against umass 273 yards on eight receptions because i remember in hearing the name i was like i remember hearing about this guy somewhere and i think he was like one of the helmet stickers on college football final that week for just going off um in that game so a guy that obviously brought a lot of productions to the red hawks this season as you mentioned size wise 5'10, 165 pounds suggest he's more of a slot guy but very much split time almost evenly between playing the slot and out wide this past year so can do a little bit of both um again the thinking is that south carolina still wants to maybe go out and get somebody in that six two six three range but even if you don't you have the opportunity to use this guy in a variety of different ways in the offense this fall yeah for sure and i i think you know, you, you'd love to add, and there's still time. Obviously, this period, there's time in the next window. But I, I think for South Carolina, you had to sort of just remake that receiver room to the extent that you just need guys that can play. You know, you need good players. Like, you can't really get too picky. Would you Would you love to have 6-2? Would you love to have basically another Leggett come through? That That's what you're missing, I think, when you look at this receiving core right now. Would you – Rather have that guy too on top of these guys, of course. However, I, I think you, you'll take guys right now who can go make plays for you. And I, I look at the this kind of trio. You look at Jared Brown. You look at um, Mari Huggins, Bruce. There's some similarities between these guys. Now, I, I do think we're kind of lumping Jared Brown. Jared Brown's got a little bit of height to him compared to these other guys, and so. You know, I, I think it's a nice trio of guys that can go make plays for you and have proved they can do it. And it's going to be on this staff to kind of figure out, all right, who who's best in the slot? Who's best outside? How do you use the different guys? And then ultimately, how do you go from what I would say is a good receiver portal class to great would be if you can kind of add th- that cherry on top with maybe a little bit bigger receiver and I don't, guys. I don't think they got to be like one of these six five guys. <laughs> but if you could add a six one, six two that can jump out of the gym and has great ball skills, that um, that would be nice. But of course, everybody would love to add that. I think. Yeah, you find a guy like that, it's going to be very competitive. I mean, one that's come up is C.J. Daniels from Liberty. A bunch of schools in on him. Um, you know, we've heard Oregon, heard Texas this morning. Um, Auburn, Florida, he's been there, right? And um, so South Carolina's been in on that one, according to what I heard this morning. Maybe not a great shot at this point, but we'll see. And then we got to keep in mind, y'all, whether we're talking about receiver, quarterback, et cetera, any other position, um, you know, you got the spring window. And so there's a – not even a shot. There are going to be more players at those positions that are going to jump in after the spring window. So we'll see where that goes. Overall, not a ton of room in this transfer portal class, right? Because in this class overall, South Carolina's still got numbers flexibility. But I didn't even realize, y'all, there's 30 people in this class. There's 16 high schoolers and 14 transfers right now. It's a pretty big class. Yeah. But you lose 21. So You lose 21. Plus plus seniors. you're, You're going through this list. And this isn't just let's just take a bunch of guys like all the transfers or needs. Yeah. You know, and then you've got to you've got to be able to have, you know, a good 
number high school class as well. And, so. and again, we'll get to a few more of the ones from over the weekend here in a moment, but on the latest updated team rankings on on three via the transfer portal, South Carolina up to number four as they brought in a lot of good pieces again at positions of need, um, but very active in the portal so far. And again, more spots to, uh, to continue to fill, but so far so good for Beamer and company. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think you got a nice little mix. You got, some FCS guys that have been really good at their level. You've got some Power 5 guys. You've got some Power 5 guys that haven't maybe played quite as much but are looking for fresh starts. We'll get into some of those, I'm sure, on the other side. Absolutely. Uh, one other spot that was position of need was linebacker, and South Carolina addressed that this past weekend as well. We'll hit that coming up. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming live on The Game TV. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head. Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell, along with you, recapping a very, very busy weekend in the transfer portal for the Gamecocks. Talked about addressing the wide receiver position in the last segment there. Linebacker is another spot that was depleted as of recently with Stone Blanton, obviously jumping in the portal after Christmas. He's now gone on to uh, Mississippi State, playing closer to back home, as well as Pub Power. The same thing last week as he is now committed to the Florida Gators. Uh, had Demetrius Knight that committed uh, from UNC Charlotte at the end of last week and then filling that other spot with, and we've been going back and forth with this in the commercial break, the proper way to pronounce his name. I'm just going to say Bengali Kamara, linebacker from Pitt, that is uh, filling that other hole left behind by the departing Stone Blanton and Pub Howard. Yeah, I mean, going into this year, um, South Carolina was keeping some options open in the portal at the linebacker position. You thought, hey, maybe maybe they take one. You know, and they had offered some guys out of the portal. There were some other names that we were tracking and didn't really get traction slash maybe didn't make a huge push at that time given some of the other needs. But then, of course, once you had a couple of those defections, you know, it made all the sense in the world to go ahead and grab one. You know, you lose one starter in Stone Blanton. And you lose another guy in Pup Powered who, you know, played in a bunch of games last year, didn't play tons and tons of snaps, but certainly projected, especially with Stone leaving, to have a chance to step up and make a bigger impact for you. And so, you know, that left a hole. Then you keep in mind, yeah, Mo Kaba is planning on coming back, but he has had three major knee injuries, right? Um, you got a couple freshmen. You got Debo Williams coming back. You've got Ben Martin Scott, Jaron Willis, et cetera. So you've got some pieces, but you needed to add some depth and some guys that could come in and play immediately. When I look at Kamara, you know, this is a guy who played with DeAndre Jules, who's the defensive tackle from Pitt that South Carolina is also bringing in as an early enrollee. Um, he's he's on campus. And Kamara's, you know, played for a Pitt staff that's done a pretty good job of developing defensive players over the years. And he's made some plays over his time. And I tend to look at the linebacker room now that South Carolina is bringing in with Knight, with the two freshmen, Fred Johnson and Wendell Gregory, and then Kamara, I think this is a pretty strong group. And thinking through it, you know, you're adding some experience production with Knight and Kamara, but I think, guys, you're adding a lot of athleticism. I think you've gotten more athletic when you combine your freshmen and Fred, jo Fred Johnson, former high school wide receiver, Wendell Gregory, a guy that played tight end, played linebacker, can rush the passer, Plus, you're adding Demetrius Knight, who has a great size-to-speed ratio, and Kamara, who looks pretty good on film to me. I think a lot of athleticism in this room coming in. Yeah, they, they wanted to add speed. That was the biggest priority when they looked at that spot as far as adding two 
transfer portal linebackers after they lost Stone and lost Pup. And so I think you absolutely have that with these two guys. Would would you have rather probably have some you – know, you, you want to ultimately keep your players and have them stick around and be able to develop and stuff like that. So th- these are short-term pickups, obviously. But, you know, I would, I would say in terms of the short-term, South Carolina – probably maybe got better at linebacker now I don't know if I would say that necessarily if it didn't also include the fact that you bring back Debo Williams you bring back Bam Martin Scott like I I think having those guys to build around really just gives you some flexibility in in what you want to do as far as this front goes uh you know the big conversation we're gonna have all offseason 425 versus 335 versus you know just kind of playing a split of both I think that factors into how this thing's going to play out as well. You know, if if you're in a four-two-five, then I think Debo Williams and Bam Martin Scott are kind of your two proven kids at this point. However, but you know, both those guys kind of played your will linebacker this past year, and so so Debo was your starter at will, and Bam was kind of your backup there, but also your starter at the SAM when they went to 335. So do you slide a Debo Williams over to middle linebacker and sort of have both those guys on the field as your your two starters in 425 or you know if you're going to be running a ton of 335 do you kind of try to leave as many sort of little variables as you can the same as last year like don't disrupt things and sort of hey Debo you had a career year at the will do you leave him there, leave Bam as your Sam, and just plug one of these new guys in, whether it be Demetrius Knight, who actually, as fast as he is, did play middle linebacker in Charlotte, or you know, you could you could plug Kamara in there as well. So I, I think they're gonna point being, we don't know yet how it's gonna play out, how they're gonna sort of structure it, but they have options now as far as what they're gonna do. And and they're they these positions are fairly interchangeable from what I've seen within this scheme. So guys can play different spots. And I don't think it can be understated. And Chris mentioned it a moment ago, you're bringing in another experienced guy. And when you look at this entire roster and what they've added so far to the transfer portal, linebacker is the second most senior laden group uh, right behind defensive line, which we'll get to what they added there um, in just a minute. But you have Debo Williams coming back. You have Bam Martin Scott coming back. You add Demetrius Knight, who played a couple years at Georgia Tech, obviously played this past year at UNC Charlotte. And then uh, Kamara, Who's played uh, four straight or uh, four years at um, at Pitt? So you just got a lot of football that's been played at that linebacker spot. That no matter what scheme you decide to go with, you have guys that have experienced a lot of different things and seen a lot of different things over the course of their respective careers. For sure, and I, I think you already have you know, like you said, a, a pretty veteran room, and you're just adding veterans to it. I, I think I don't know as much about Kamara just in terms of information gathering, but one thing I've picked up on night from actually two completely separate people was just how much of a kind of natural leader he is. Maybe not the most vocal guy. He can be vocal when he needs to, but just a, a mature um, a mature dude, great great guy off the field. I believe he's uh, I believe he's already married or engaged. like just it's kind of at a point in his life where mature. Yeah, this is not an 18 year old yeah coming in. like th- this guy, it is a fantastic lead by example. Will be a great culture locker room fit. All those things, and, and I think coming into a room where you already do have some older guys, that's kind of important because they're 
if you weren't that, they're going to look at you like, who who is this guy? Sure. And why is he here? You know, I, I think knowing what type of leader Debo Williams is, you're, you'll probably see, a, I think, a good fit. Again, I haven't learned as much about Kamara, but in terms certainly of what I've heard about Knight, that's going to be the case. I think Knight is, even though this is a veteran player, as you said, and so is Kamara, I think he's maybe the most, the more intriguing addition just because of the upside, right? Like, he's not a finished product yet because he, he already played in the ACC for Georgia Tech, so he's played Power 5 ball. You know, Charlotte, they played several Power 5 opponents this year, so I don't know if you even call that a step back in competition, but he had a huge leap from the time he went to Georgia Tech to the time he got to Charlotte. I mean, he really had a big year this past season, and so he'll be stepping up in competition again, obviously. But I think he's just got the tools to continue his progression as a player where he's obviously very well put together at 6'2", over 240 pounds, but he can really, really run. I was talking to somebody uh, who's really familiar with Georgia Tech and his time there, and he said that, you know, Knight is a guy that really has a knack to make big plays. And so somebody that can bring you some pass rush juice. He can be a run stopper for you. He can blitz. So, I, I mean, you like both of those kids because they bring you a lot of experience. And that's kind of what you needed, right? You you bring in these two freshmen. I think the freshmen are going to get every chance to show what they can do, maybe give you a good look. But you needed to bring in a couple guys from the portal who could – come in and step in and play for you immediately, but yet maybe maybe they're not even a finished product from what you've seen on film, and I think that's what you're getting at night. Yeah, and I, I wasn't here on Friday, so I, I didn't get to speak much on night, but from what I've heard, I mean, this is this dude's an athletic freak. Like, he's one of those guys he played. So in high school, once again, here we go, high school quarterback. That's a huge trend with this class. High school quarterback, and on defense, he played safety. So really was when he got to Georgia Tech, he still a great athlete, but was kind of making that transition from one position to another. And at the time, talking to somebody who was familiar with him, he really was more, his skill set was more kind of like a big nickel Sam linebacker, kind of outside guy who's going to cover. And, you know, kind of is a little bit like South Carolina used to play with the spur you know, like an Antonio Allen type, big hitter, physical, but can run. And then just over time, continue to put on weight, put on like 30 pounds, and ultimately has just slowly become more and more of a true linebacker. And so I do think there's obviously a step up when you go from Charlotte into the SEC. And people may say, well, you know, why why, is, why did he have to transfer twice? Why did it take so long at Charlotte? Is that just because of the level of competition they play? I think that's a valid question. Like, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, but there also is a sense that maybe this guy kind of unlocked some of his potential as he got comfortable at linebacker at Charlotte. So I think worst-case scenario, rotational guy, and a great special teams add for Pete Limbo. Best-case scenario, shoot, man, he might slide right into a starter's role alongside those other guys. 
Absolutely. And again, linebacker spot that they needed to address because they've had a couple guys jumping in the transfer portal over the past couple weeks. Two spots where they've had plenty of bodies, but add to that as well over the weekend, offensive line and defensive line with two guys that are similar in, in a way. And we'll get to those in just a minute. But before we do, as always, we thank our friends at Integrated Media who have done such a good job setting up our cameras here that we are streaming now live on the game TV and they can set you up with whatever you need as well. Yeah, shout out to our friends at Integrated. Go to Integrated Media Inc dot com and uh basically they've been to chris's house they've been to my house we're still trying to get them to tyler's apartment we're trying to get approval at tyler's apartment for the nine tv setup we're gonna throw on the wall it'd be nice um but yeah whether you just need a tv hung whether you need to kind of upgrade the whole wi-fi setup you have or, or whether you want to just go completely all in on an at-home theater system a man cave multiple tvs hung all those different things they can do for you. That could be smart home services, home theater services, anything audio, vi- video, TV installations, and security and cameras as well. So hit up our friends at Integrated Media. It's integratedmediainc.com. Two big names or two big uh, transfers from two big programs. That's coming up. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head. Wes Mitchell and Chris Clark along with you on this Monday morning. And I go back to something Chris and I talked about on Friday uh, with these next two guys we're about to talk about here in the portal. Um, we mentioned that Monkel Goodwin, the defensive lineman from Alabama, was visiting this past weekend, and that was going to you know, get a lot of people excited because that's a guy from Alabama and, um, you know, is somebody that, that raises a lot of eyebrows. And, um, you know, I kind of group him together with the other guy that trans- – that, uh, Committed out of the portal this weekend, Aaron Parks, the offensive lineman from Oklahoma. Parks was a 2020 four-star offensive lineman. Goodwin was a 2021 four-star defensive lineman. Both these guys obviously coming from big-name programs, but haven't seen the field a whole lot. Parks played at the two tackle spots at out Oklahoma uh, sparingly, and then Monkel Goodwin just hasn't really seen the field that much at all in his time at Alabama. But again, coming from two big-name programs, they're going to generate a lot of questions and a lot of excitement just because of the caliber of team that they were on now transferring to South Carolina. It, it is kind of interesting, the reactions to commits from big Power 5 programs compared to commits from, from FCS programs. And... I mean, I I would dare say we've seen greater returns so far from guys who are at the FCS level, you know, than we have guys at at the Power Five level. When it's kind of FCS guy has had a huge career so far, and Power Five guy has not. Uh, obviously, if you can go get, you know, a Spencer Rattler, that was different. He had already went out and played yes. at the Power Five level, um, so. I do think both of these commits, like, have their place at at South Carolina. Like, there's a reason if you're South Carolina, you take a Monkel Goodwin. There's a reason you take an A.J. Parks. And I think we've talked about it probably for two years straight now. Tackles in the portal are are just hard to find. So I I think if you're South Carolina, you're trying to add depth. You're trying to kind of add potential at that spot. And we saw what happened this past season when your depth just got eaten away pretty much all year long. So taking a guy like Parks who maybe needs a fresh start, who obviously has ability, he wouldn't have been a four-star out of high school. And so you're, you're trying to give him a fresh start. Does it work out? Does it not? Who, who knows? Uh, 
with Goodwin, this guy was behind studs at, at Alabama. Also, I, I think the important thing to remember with him is has multiple years of eligibility left. When when you start to look at that defensive line room and kind of the number of guys who are in their final year of eligibility, even bringing in DeAndre Jules, one-year guy. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're South Carolina, Chris, you feel great about your D-line depth right now, but you're already starting to kind of look ahead and say, what what is that room going to look like next year? We know it's going to be we know there's going to be portal additions for next year. That That's a fact. But if you could go ahead and add somebody who you can kind of get ready for 2025 season, you're going to do that. And that's kind of – I look at, at Michael as kind of being brought in for that reason. And I look at Parks as being, all right, let's give him a fresh start. Let's add some depth at tackle. And let's do all we can to keep adding on at positions of need. I'm looking at our great bra- boss, Brian Shoemaker's scholarship chart, Wes, on GamecockCentral.com. As of right now, when and this includes the incoming guys, nine defensive tackles project to be on the roster for the 2024 season, eight are upperclassmen, right? So you've got five that are that are classified as seniors, and several of those are legitimately in their last year. You know, you got a guy like, like Nick Barrett, for example, I believe would have another year, but you've got some guys who are done. You know, you got a guy in TJ Sanders who's a junior, but if he plays like we think he can play, he's going to have every opportunity probably to jump to the NFL next year. You got Jerome Simmons coming in as a JUCO guy, right? You've got Goodwin coming in. You got Jamal Weiss as your only guy who is a sophomore or below, right? And so. 2025, this is looking way ahead, but the 2025 recruiting cycle is going to be a huge one uh, for, I think they're going to be looking high school, JUCO, and portal at that position. Defensive tackle next year is probably going to be this year's running back or receiver as far Mm -hmm. as the amount of guys, quality guys that you've got to go target. Great for this year, right? You you, Like you said, you feel pretty good about it, but you got to restock. So I think that is why you saw, hey, Here's a guy who's a former, in, in Monkel Goodwin, here's a guy who's a former top 70 recruit, highly rated guy, played at Bama. Has he played a lot? No. But you, you dig into that and you find out, well, why is that? And, and then you go bring him on campus and see if you can kind of unlock that potential. And if you can, um, that could be good. Maybe not even for this season, but may, maybe for next year. And he, he might could be a depth guy for you this year as well. Yeah, for sure. And – you know, with, with Parks, man, I mean, I, I think there were some guys out there that they were after that, that maybe if they could have landed them, you would project to, to potentially push a little bit more for a starting spot. And, and hey, maybe you never know when the light bulb comes on. So I, I don't want to sit here and say it can't happen either, but I also want to set expectations accurately as well. Um, tackles are hard to find. Highly recruited guy out of high school. It's possible he comes in and is just a adept guy. It is also possible he comes in, enjoys the new scenery, takes his game to the next level, and, and makes a, a strong push for a lot of playing time at, at tackle. I, I mean, it, maybe it was a different situation at, at Oklahoma. So I, I think when you look at, when you look at transfer portal recruiting, obviously 
not every not every addition should be looked at the same way. Some additions you're saying, hey, Rocket Sanders, if healthy, you're you're gonna be a starter. Other additions, you're kind of trying to build depth and build options into um your room and, and build the competition up a, as well. So I, I think you know, you got some young guys at tackle that you feel really good about. But Parks does kind of create some additional competition and maybe even a buffer in getting those guys ready. Well, and and this made me think of back a little bit to retention, Wes. So, you know, South Carolina got back some guys that in this day and age, I mean, we, we followed the offseason. Tonka Hemingway could have gone to the NFL. Or, I mean, heck, he could have gone to the portal. T.J. Sanders. I mean, he's a guy... Like, if you look at On3's transfer portal rankings, and this is how they rank players, you had Walter Nolan as the number one player going from A&M to Ole Miss. That was probably pretty obvious, former five-star guy. But, man, if, if like, T.J. Sanders had decided, hey, I'm going to hop in the portal, he would have been, at bare minimum, one of the top five defensive tackles in the country. He mm-hmm. could have gone anywhere. And you've got him back, you know, so that's huge. Um just goes to show, to your point, I mean, it's hard to find big bodies at the defensive tackle position who can really play, and, and same thing with offensive tackle, too. We'll wrap up the, today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Hit a few more transfer portal notes. I'll also get Wes and Chris's thoughts on tonight's national championship game. Going up next here on the game, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming live on the Game TV. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, Tyler Head, West Mitchell, and Chris Clark along with you on this Monday, National Championship Monday. We'll get Wes and Chris's thoughts on tonight's game in just a moment. One more note from the transfer portal from over the weekend, and Chris, you and I talked about this on Friday because it seemed that Brady Hunt, the transfer tight end from Ball State, was flipping his commitment to Texas A&M as his position coach from Ball State had taken the same job with Mike Elko's new staff out there at A&M. And then over the weekend, well, he learned that wasn't true, and he is sticking around Columbia instead. Well, we're going to well, call it a full-on recommit. Okay. Um, I would say look but, no further than Shane Beamer's welcome back um, <laughs> tweet that um, he was not publicly off the commit list, but my man so, was off the commit list. So, so Beamer pulled the Casablanca and stopped him at the airport, right? I don't get that reference, but I'm going to... Have Casablanca? I actually have not. It's classic, man. I know. I know. Uncultured. I'm not very cultured on my <laughs> movie. When did that movie come out? Like 1950-something okay, something yeah. or 40-something. Yeah. Well, Brady Hunt. <laughs> yeah, Brady Hunt in the class... Back in the class. What's important is that he's in the class. Yes. And, man, that, like, that I think that's a big get because I don't think you were going to go out and find, while some people may look at tight end as, like, a luxury take in this class in some ways because of who you got coming back, I, I keep going back to this same reference, but it's like a Nate Adkins-esque take where you're adding a good player to a room that's already got some pieces but he can do some different things for you. And you look at the size, 6'6", 250. He can, he can do so many different things. For, he can be a blocker. He can catch the football down the field. Uh, Wes, I think you pointed out earlier this year, after he had originally committed to South Carolina, 
He's the guy that can get downfield and make some plays. Um, his big year in 2022, he had, I think, what, 46 catches um, and probably projects to be a special teams player for Pete Limbo as well, given, you know, tight end bodies are typically the types that you're going to see playing along, on a lot of those special teams units. So this is big to get him back in the class, I think. Yeah, and um, I, I think, look no further, I, I think this is another one of those gets where the casuals will call him when he first committed. They're like, oh, ball state tight end. Who cares? What they do? I mean, not that you had to kind of get – not that you had needed this to solidify how you feel about a guy. I know the staff doesn't, but Texas A&M, obviously, you know, they recruit as well as anybody. So the fact that they wanted him and were going to, you know, accept a commitment from him, I think says something about his ability as well. But I I think he's right there kind of on that, that two line, if you're kind of looking at the depth chart or – as a starter in a two tight end set. Like, I, I think if he comes in and makes the transition that he can, you always kind of have to throw that caveat in there. there. There's potential for him to be a huge part of this offense this year. I mean, he has size, he has speed. He has upside, too, in that this is another former quarterback. And so anytime you're taking former quarterbacks, you're talking about guys that have not reached their full potential at their position yet. So I like that. I think, you know, it's a guy that I, I think when it looked like they were not going to have him in the class, you, you weren't going to just go out and find another Brady Hunt. Like, I, I think he, I honestly think he's that good. And I think a lot of these FCS guys they've added are, are that good. Excited to see these going to be sticking around for South Carolina this upcoming fall. Uh, again, tonight is the national championship. Michigan versus Washington, Michigan, the four and a half point favorite. Seeking their first national title since they split with Nebraska in 97. Washington seeking their first since they split with Miami back in 91. Which way you guys lean for tonight? Man, I'll tell you what. I think I think Michigan is the best team. Um, I think that much is clear. And I, I wish I had gone strongly, more strongly with my thoughts last week going into the the semis because it, it kind of played out the way I thought it would. I think for mo- most of tonight, I think Michigan and their their lines of scrimmage on both sides will sort of control the day. But I think the best quarterback in these games a lot of times is a difference maker. So Washington has to hang around just enough for Michael Penix to go win the game. I... I think Penix is a guy on one of those kind of tracks of destiny. Not that I really believe in that, but I, I just think he's too good and that he would be the difference maker. So I'm going to take Washington. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh's done great things at Michigan too, but um, and he and he was great at Stanford when you look at what he did with that program um, and even his time in the NFL. But, man, Kalen DeBoer, this guy. You're too is a monster. I mean, and kind of similar to players. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at a coach who also wins at a lower level and won as much as he did, just basically steamrolled everybody. I think he lost like 10 games and a whole bunch of years total and won 100-something. Um, he's just been outstanding. And like you said, Tyler, what he's done there in just two years, they've developed players. They've gotten in some, you know, impact transfer like Penix. Dylan Johnson, mm-hmm. right, his health, 
something has been they been say banged he's, up. They he's say good. He's, go. yep. he's good to go. He's been banged up for a lot of the season. Still had a huge, huge year. I'm kind of with you, Wes. Like my head kind of says Michigan. My gut slash heart kind of says, man, it's kind of hard to bet against Washington right now. Which talk about rolling momentum into a new conference if Washington. Yeah goes into the Big Ten as a national champion. I don't think anybody – I went back and looked like the Miami. I know they flipped around a few conferences in the, the 90s and the 2000s. I don't think anybody's ever gone into a new conference, at least in the modern era of college football, as the defending national champion. I mean, poor Pac-12, man. Like, you you have a team that, by all indications, like, could, could win the title tonight. Yeah. And <laughs> you don't have a conference anymore. Does – George, if they win tonight, does George Kleikoff like go up on the stage and accept the trophy with them, or is he just barred from being on the field? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Who you got? I got Washington. I, oh I think, no! Oh, All right. I, I think somebody picked Michigan's it, winning. <laughs> I think it's too explosive of an offense. I don't think Michigan's seen anything like it. Got dynamic wide receivers all across the field. Hopefully, it's a fun game though. I think it should Penix be a good one awesome. between two very good teams. So we'll see what happens tonight. We'll react to it tomorrow. Coming up next is the halftime show with myself and Terry Ford here on the game, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming live on the Game TV.